This is the Classic Baseball Broadcast Network, where we believe there is nothing like hearing about history from those who lived it. Listen to our full catalog of broadcasts at ClassicBaseballBroadcast.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please help me out and do one of three things. Follow, subscribe this podcast and leave a review. It really helps. Share us with your baseball friends. Uh, let them know about us. Or jump over to members.thisdayinbaseball.com. Join our email list, community, and our family of baseball podcasts. <laughs> welcomes you to another baseball broadcast brought to you direct from Comiskey Park. Today's game is between the Chicago White Sox and the Washington Senators. And now after Comiskey Park and Hal Totten, who is going to interview one or more of your favorite players, that's from the playing field. Stay away, Hal Totten. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Good afternoon from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox at Chicago, where we take the air from the field, but in midst of one of the doggondest demonstrations we've ever seen at a ballpark, and what a thrill it is all the way through. It's Lions Day, you know, the International Lions Exposition, Exposition or whatever. What is it, anyway? Anyway, they're having a big gathering here this week, and it's Lions Day out here at Comiskey Park. Bands from all over the United States are here parading around the field. The band from Menasha, Wisconsin, the high school championship band, has formed the letter W out in the outfield back of second base in their cadet gray trousers and blue uh, jackets and the white pom-poms, a marvelous band. Right in front of us now is the Flandreau Band, all decked out in red coats and white trousers. And all these bands, a good many of the members of the band are girls. The Michigan Band were from Benton Harbor, paraded the field just a moment ago. A whole Florida delegation, which uh, came in in an automobile train of 47 cars, is gathered, a few of them right here, but a whole bunch of them over back at the first baseline, including one fellow that weighs at least 500 pounds more than me, wearing a bathing trunk. And uh, thank you, thank you very much. From Lakeland, Florida, eh? <laughs> Got some matches from all the way from Florida. Okay, that's fine. The uh, band right here now is uh, spread out all the way from here at the dugout down to the end of the left field line playing. And somebody's firing off blank cartridges in the grandstand. The uh, Florida delegation, all their cars were yellow, and they're wearing these yellow sun helmets. And it's really something worth looking at. Incidentally, all around here... Yeah, I knew that she's a lion. So am I. <laughs> sure. We're all lions. I think I belong to four different clubs. <laughs> Did you? Well, Dixie's very proud of being a lion. I know that. And... Uh, where, where are you from? Uh, Chicago, Uptown Lions. Oh, yeah, Lions. Uptown yeah, Lions. Lions. Well, I think that's where I first was made a lion in Uptown Lions. I went up there and made a speech about, uh, oh, ten years ago. Well, and I just started in a year ago to make speeches up I there. I well. <laughs> And we organized an auxiliary up there last fall, and out of that I conducted a breakfast for 1,200 lioness. Oh, that's marvelous. We had four of the Dixie ball players. Out, eh? We had Dixie Walker, uh, the pitcher, Dietrich Sewell, and uh, we had uh, the noisy one. Uh, Mr. Benura? Mr. Benura up there this morning. I 
stole one away from me. I had the airplane with me. He went on the air. He said he was supposed to go there breakfast, too, but he couldn't make it. Another southern boy, you know. Another southern boy. <laughs> so you know how they like breakfast. Well, we kidded uh, Zeke Manure this morning and told them that he was a bachelor and that he had a girl. And everybody wondered who his girlfriend was. And when I told them that it was mother, you should have seen him and you should have seen the women. They just went wild. He was afraid you were going to uh, give something away. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, sort of, oh, here's the cowboys out here now with their blank cartridges. And it's a Wisconsin day out here also. I'm talking to George Dobbins of uh, Wyawaga, Wisconsin. That's a good word to pronounce. He's past just the governor there. And among other things, they brought some souvenir boxes of cheese down here. You know, up there in Wisconsin, they produce a million pounds of cheese a day. About 57.5% of the cheese produced in the entire country. And they're down here helping to celebrate that. The uh, Wisconsin band is coming off the field now, marching in through the outfield, led by two very charming young ladies in uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, Two very charming young ladies are leading the band in here, and uh, followed by a man leader. Uh, I, I want to introduce Frank at that, Frank Birch of uh, Milwaukee. I understand you're going to be the next international president. Well, I like that, Harry. Are you vice president this year? Yeah, what kind of convention you having? Oh, we're having a marvelous How many people are there? Well, there must be five, six thousand. I know. Just close the door, business. All right, they're here from Hawaii and Alaska and all the United States. That's marvelous. I think you're putting on one of the finest shows I ever saw put on in a ballpark. And uh, one thing I like to start with the ballplayers while they watch their Thank you, Frank, very much. Huh? 
All right, I'll take it up to George. That's all right with you. Is, or do you want it to go to one of the other boys? There's four others up there, so if you take one, you're going to have to fight on your hands. <laughs> well, if we'll take it up and ask them to, I'll be willing to pass them around for you. Yes, sir, absolutely. That's right, okay. Okay, that, it's been in Wisconsin. I told them all about it. <laughs> Here's the line of third today, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, Washington, Almeida Center, Lewis Third, Travis Short, Simmons Left, Stone Right, Cool First, Meyer Second, Rick Farrell Catching, and Deshaun Pitching. For the White Sox, Hayes Second, Kravitz Center, Walker Right, Bonura First, Radcliffe Left, Appling Short, Berger, third, Sewell catching, and Dietrich will do the pitching. When we get upstairs, we'll find out just how the umpires work. More fireworks. Boy, oh boy, what's a lot of fun. Well, everybody's starting up in the stands now, and uh, I don't know whether it's safe for me to come up there, George. Are they shooting up that way, or are they just shooting? <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that we've had enough excitement for the moment. Everybody filing into the stands. It was a grand show. And now the White Sox and the Senators are going to put on a show that they hope to be just as good for them. And now, uh, George, I'm going to start upstairs. Looks like I'm going to have quite a few people to get through because there must be a good, oh, I would say 12,000 people at this ball game today, which is a perfect crowd for midweek. And it's cash, too. Cash on the line, my friend. <laughs> so now, uh, if you'll do a little switching in the studio, I'll start upstairs. Okay? Right off. Thousands of requests for Texaco's 1937 baseball scorebook are pouring in every day. Don't wait any longer to send in your request card for your own copy. You'll find a great fun to score these games play-by-play just as Hal Cotton does. The system is explained simply and in detail. In addition, day-by-day as unusual plays develop, Hal Cotton will tell you how to score them. The book is crammed with other interesting baseball information. You'll find pictures and rosters of both teams, complete schedules of all major league teams, Many pages of interesting data on the Cubs and Sox. The 1937 text of the baseball scorebook is something worthwhile having, and it's easy to get. All you have to do is go to any Texaco dealer and ask for a request card, stamp it, and put it in the mail. Your own copy of the, of the Texaco scorebook will be mailed directly. Remember, the 1937 Texaco baseball scorebook is absolutely free. Get your request card in the mail today. And I'd give Hal Totten a chance to get up there to the booth out at Comiskey Park for this afternoon's ball game between the Chicago White Sox and the Washington Senators. We'll give you the schedule of the other games to be played in the major leagues together with what sporting information we have time for. Taking first the National League, the Cubs are in Philadelphia today playing a doubleheader against the Phillies. The Cubs won the first game today 4-1 to one, with four runs, ten hits, and one error. To the Phillies, one run, eight hits, and no errors with Lee and Hartnett, the Cub battery for the entire game, and for the Phillies, Johnson and Grace. In that game, Collins had a home run in the first inning, and Camille of the Phillies had one run, a home run, in the ninth inning to make the only tally for the Phillies in the first game. The second game has not started yet, but will start in about 15 minutes. In Brooklyn, the Dodgers are taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates and lead the Pirates at the end of the first half of the second inning, one to nothing, with Bowman and Todd, the Pirate Battery, and for the leading Dodgers, Jeff Cote and Spencer. In New York, the Giants entertain the Cincinnati Reds. At the end of the first inning, it's a scoreless tie between the Giants and Reds, nothing to nothing, with Hollingsworth and Davis, the Red Battery, for the Giants, Castleman and Danning. In Boston, the Bees are playing a doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals. At the end of the ninth inning, the score is tied at one and one between the Cardinals and the Bees, with Blake and Owen, the Cardinal Battery, for the Bees, Betty and Miller. And now in the American League, 
In St. Louis, the Browns will take on the New York Yankees again this afternoon, and the game will be played because it's clear in St. Louis, but the game won't start until about 4 o'clock Chicago time. In Detroit, where the weather's clear, the Tigers will take on the Boston Red Sox. In Cleveland, the Indians are entertaining the Philadelphia Athletics in two games. The first game has started, and at the end of the fourth inning, the Indians lead the A's 3 to nothing with Thomas and Conroy, the athletic battery, for the Tribe, Harder, and Sullivan. Scores and complete batteries at the end of the third, sixth, and ninth innings of today's ballgame. And now for a bit of baseball and other sporting information from around the country. Lou Gehrig of the New York Yankees and Ducky Medrick of the St. Louis Cardinals continue to set the pace today for the Major League hitters. Gehrig topped the American League batters with a mark of 379, following the Yankee first baseman was his teammate Joe DiMaggio. Sam West of the St. Louis Browns, Cecil Travis of the Washington Senators, and Bo Bell of the Browns. Medrick headed the National League sluggers with a 412 average. Paul Wainer of the Pittsburgh Pirates was second, Gabby Hartman of the Chicago Cubs third, Archie Vaughn of the Pittsburgh Pirates fourth, and Billy Herman of the Cubs was fifth. And now speaking of baseball, here comes a surprise story from St. Louis that one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the National League was dismissed today as manager of the seventh place St. Louis Browns. Manager Rogers Hornsby was given his walking papers as pilot of the Browns by President Don L. Barnes. Barnes made the customary announcement that Hornsby had been ousted for the best interests of the club. The dismissal was effective immediately. One of Hornsby's aides on the coaching staff, the former first-base star, Sonny Jim Bottomley, was named to succeed Hornsby as manager of the team, which has won only 25 out of the 75 games this season. The rift between Hornsby and the President Barnes of the Browns came as a surprise. Recently, Barnes told Trans Radio that he considered Hornsby the best manager in baseball. At the time, Barnes said, quote, Hornsby works morning, noon, and night for the best interests of the Browns. He thinks baseball and lives baseball. Hornsby is a splendid man to hold down the manager's job in our new setup, which stresses the development of younger players, end quote. The deposed manager Hornsby and his successor Bottomley were stars of the first order. Hornsby was perhaps the greatest right-handed hitter ever to walk to the plate. Hornsby led the National League in batting seven times and set an all-time Major League batting mark of 424 as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals in 1924. Raja hit 400 three times during his career. He played 22 seasons in the big show and wound up with a lifetime average of 359. Hornsby came up to the big leagues from Denison, Texas in the Western Association. The young second sacker was sold to the St. Louis Cardinals for a reported $500. $500 for a man destined to become one of the most colorful second basemen of all time. Hornsby was made manager of the Cardinals in 1926. He proceeded to give St. Louis its first National League pennant and a world championship. No sooner had St. Louis finished its celebration than Hornsby was traded to the New York Giants for Frankie Frisch, the present Cardinal manager, and Jimmy Ring. The Giants traded Hornsby to Boston in 1928, and Hornsby became manager of the Braves. The following fall, Hornsby went to the Chicago Cubs for a reported price of $200,000 and several players. Hornsby was voted the most valuable player in the National League during his first year in a Cub uniform. Aggressive Hornsby was made manager of the Cubs in 1931 and was released in 1932. He went back to the Cards the following year. Hornsby was released by the Cardinals in 1933 and appointed manager of the St. Louis Browns to succeed William Killifer. The new manager, Bottomley, is an old friend and teammate of Hornsby. Sonny Jim played first base while Rogers was at second on the St. Louis Cardinals World Championship team of 1926. Coach Charles O'Leary of the St. Louis Browns was fired today along with manager Rogers Hornsby. The Browns president, Donald Barnes, announced that the former St. Louis card manager, Gabby Street, would succeed O'Leary. And now for a bit of sporting information other than baseball. From Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, former national tennis champion Wilmer Allison will continue his quest for permanent possession of the Longwood Bowl in the third round match today. 
1935 title holder, twice winner of the Longwood Cricket Club Tournament, will take on Howard Stevens of Yale University this afternoon. Gilbert Hunt is paired with Norman Bickle, while Vernon Markham will clash with William Murphy. And from London, the tennis world agreed today that only a startling upset can prevent the United States Davis Cup team from returning the international trophy to American shores. The magnificent uphill battle of Donald Budge to defeat Baron von Kram of Germany installed the United States as the overwhelming choice to defeat England in the challenge round starting Saturday. Even without a strong number of two singles players, the American squad figures to win at least four of the five matches. On form, Budge should win his two singles duel. Budge and Mako should take the doubles, and the American number two singles player should defeat the English number two performer. Bunny Austin looms as the only British winner. And from Chicago... Eight young boxers were named today to oppose a Dubuque, Iowa CYO team Friday night in a series of intercity matches. The bots will be held here in Chicago. The Chicagoans will be fighting also for a chance to be among the Catholic Youth Organization members who will meet a team of South American champions at Soldiers Field on August 25th. The eight Chicago boxers include two who have already fought at Dubuque, Frankie Canerath and Jackie Goodman. And from Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts again... Grayson Wheeler of Santa Monica, California, and Mrs. John Van Ryn of Austin, Texas, advanced today to the quarterfinal round of the women's single matches in the Longwood Tournament. Mrs. Wheeler won her, won her third round by defeating Mrs. August Callis of Richfield, Connecticut, 6-1, 6-4. Mrs. Van Ryn won her third round match from Virginia Ellis of Boston in straight sets, 6-love, six 6-love. Six in two other third round matches, Mrs. Bonnie Miller-Blank of Los Angeles defeated Grace Turber of New York, 6-1, 6-0. And Norma Tarbo of Scarsdale, New York, won for Mrs. E. B. Corbier of Southborough, Massachusetts, 6-1-6-4. The country's third-ranking tennis player, Mrs. Sarah Palfrey Fabian, defeated the Japanese star, Mr. Takuku Nakano, today to advance to the quarterfinal round of the Longwood women's singles. And now I see that Hal Totten is ready, and we'll go back to Comiskey Park to the baseball game between the Chicago White Sox and the Washington Senators. Take it, Hal. Back at the ballpark, ladies and gentlemen, after <laughs> our hectic start. Boy, look at that outfield. You can see where those bands really pee-rated, can't you? All over the outfield is uh, types of bands been walking here and there and thereabout. The White uh, Sox been waiting while Benura was in the clubhouse, finally getting his uh, glove fixed. He finally gets out there in the field. Now umpire Owens is standing out here at the right of the plate, talking to Lewis, the second hitter. Ahmed is already there, and I don't see just what the delay is being caused by now. All of the White Sox are on the field, and Deepak has finished his warm-up. Umpire Owen standing there talking to Almeida and Lewis. Other umpires talking to the two coaches. And uh, apparently the fans have all finally gotten back in the grandstand, or maybe a few of them are still getting back in. That may be the reason for it. Florida delegation ended up out there at the plate with a big presentation to the two managers featuring the huge man in the bathing trunk and the carrying the alligator. And uh, both teams lined up, one along the first, one along the third base line. It really has been a very, very spectacular display out here and one that everybody in the park will well remember because things like that don't happen around big league ball arches very often. And uh, they're very, very welcome for a change. Now, umpire Owens is walking over there to the stand to the right because apparently some of the boys are still hanging over the edge and maybe they don't realize that they really have got to uh, uh, get things in off the field before we can go on. But apparently they've done that now to suit him, and Rick walks back out here to start the ball game. 
Finally takes his place up there behind the catcher. Dietrich out there getting ready to pitch the first one. Starts his easy swinging wind up. And pitches there now Almeida gets a good strike over the outside corner just above the knees. One strike on Almeida. Pitcher again starts to wind up. Throws and Mill takes a ball. It missed the outside corner across the way, breaking in toward the hitter. And it's one ball and one strike. One and one the count. One and one. He swings the next hit along, drives deep right field. The walker's way, way back there near the wall, but it goes in through the stands for a home run. A home run into the lower deck of the right field stand for the first demonstration for the benefit of the visiting lines out here. And that ball was really hit. And now some of those cowboy boys downstairs start unloading with the blank cartridges which echo through the stands. And Almeida opens the ball game with a home run into the right field stand. To get the Senators a one to nothing lead over the White Sox, and it brings Lewis, another left-handed hitter, to bat. Deep starts to wind up throws, and Buddy takes a high one wide for ball one. One ball called. But you're again winding up pitches, and the hitter swings to follow the ball back to the screen, and it's one and one. One ball and one strike. Dietrich waits out there for the next sign. He has it. He starts to wind up again. And pitches and the hitter gets the second ball right across the knees, making it two and one. Two balls and one strike. There comes the third ball, another wide one, and Dietrich's famous lack of control is starting to bother him very early in this ball game. Very early in this ball game. It's waiting out there again. Starts to wind up and throws, and the hitter takes ball four. It's over the plate, but it's too low, and Lewis gets a base on balls. Well, 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 things aren't looking at all well for the White Sox and their pitcher, and the result is that they have a runner on first base, nobody out in the first inning, one run already home on Almeida's home run, and Travis, the shortstop, still another left-handed hitter is at bat, and the White Sox start somebody warming up. I believe it's Kane warming up in the left field bullpen. And the first pitch to Travis is a shot breaking third ball that goes inside and low for ball one. One ball called. That's his first base throws again. The hitter swings hit a fly in the left field. Radcliffe is racing back into his left and makes the catch out there for the first out in the first inning. Chasing Lewis back to first base. And Buddy's on first base still with one out. One run already home in the first inning. And Simmons, Al Simmons, the Washington left fielder, is at bat. Dietrich stretches, gets ready to pitch the first one. Wow. Pitches, and the hitter takes a slow curve and misses the outside corner across the way. Al is a right-handed hitter, the first base Dietrich so far. Let's take a look at first base. The runner's on the go. The takes a wide one. Sewell's throw gets out there. And the runner slides in safely, stealing second. A good steal of second by Lewis, putting him on second base with one out, one run home in the first inning. Simmons still at bat in the count, two and nothing. He balls and no strikes on Al. 
He throws Mount Simmons, swings and falls the ball on the ground, and hits the catcher's foot, bounds over to the right, and Sewell tracks over there to pick it up, look it over and throw it back. Now he's going to take it back to the umpire. Apparently, two more up for you. Simmons is the third ball, it's wide and low, and so it's three and one on Al. Three balls and one strike on Simmons. Three and one the count, here comes that pitcher again, ready? But the second throw, and Al hits the long drive to deep left field, so way, way back, let's go, that's also in there. And it is a home run into the second deck of the left field stands by Simmons, and he's starting around second base, the ball bounded back into the field, but Al starts on around deep bases, and it's another home run, this time with a man on base, and Mr. Dietrich, I don't believe, will be with us very long if his luck persists in that man. He's given up two hits, both of them home runs, in between times it was a walk. And the man at that is Stone, taking the first pitch wide and low for ball one. One ball call. Washington now leading the shot three to nothing in the first inning. Result of two home runs and a walk. And the next pitch he finally gets one over down around the knees, and it's strike one. So it's one ball and one strike on Stone. Dietrich winds up again, pitches, and the hitter falls this one into the second deck above and to the left of the plate, and it's one ball and two strikes on Stone. One and two the count. He could close again for a wide one and ball two. So it's two balls and two strikes. Two and two the count on Stone. He's ready out there again, has the sign once more, starts to wind up. Pitches and the hitter swings at an easy bounder down to Hayes, who scoops it up, throws the first base, and Stone is out by a step for the second out in the first inning. And make the two out of the first inning for the Senators. Three runs are home. And Joe Cool, the first baseman, is at bat. Cool up there at the plate. Another left-handed swinger, by the way. And he takes the first one wide and low for ball one. One ball called. Again, the pitcher starts to wind up close, and Joe starts to swing, but changes his mind to take a high one inside. And it's two or nothing. Two balls and no strikes on Cool. One nothing to count. Joe takes the first strike now. Fastball over the inside corner down around the knees. And it's two and one. He swings the next to drive it into center field for a base hit. And uh, well hit base hit too. He makes the turn for second, but Cleavich makes a hard throw right straight to second base. Appling got it right over the bag with uh, out of hop. Turns as though to throw the first, but Cool is on his all the way back there by then after making a wide turn. And it puts him on first base with Buddy Meyer. Buddy's the seventh hitter this inning, and six of the seven have been left-handed hitters. The first pitch is high and wide for ball one. One ball call. 
Waits there again, takes another look at first base, and throws, and the hitter swings in a high fly, coming down foul to the right of the plate, back up a little. Sewell is back there and gets it for the third out, ending the first half of the first inning, but not until dire damage has been done to Bill Dietrich. Three runs, three hits, and one man left on base. The three runs being due to two home runs, a home run by Almeida to open the ball game, a home run by Simmons with Lewis, who had walked on base, and then the single by Cool left him on base. So, the Senators are leading the White Sox by a score of three to nothing, as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the first inning with Jackie Hayes, White Sox leadoff man, and second baseman, the first man at bat. Hayes up there at the plate. Deshaun, Jimmy Deshaun is the pitcher for the Senators today. And Jackie sets up there the plate after the umpire dusts it off and pulls on his mask. Strong out there, starts to wind up, he's right-hander, and pitches in the hitter, takes a wide run across the knees for ball one. One ball called. Strong waits there, has the sign again, starts to wind up. Pitches and Hayes takes a fast one for a strike over the inside corner across the chest, and it's one and one. One ball and one strike on Hayes. One and one is the count. It throws once more and the curve ball wide and low, making it two and one. Two balls and one strike. There comes a wide one across the knees for ball three. So it's three and one on Jackie Hayes. Three balls and one strike. And there's the second strike. He let that one go by. It's over the plate, down around the knees. And so it's three and two. Three balls and two strikes. He throws once more. The hitter swings the high fly and shot center field. Center fielder coming in fast. And grabs for the ball. It just drops out of his glove. Stone grabs it fast, holding Hayes at first base. And it's a base hit. A pop fly into center field on which Almeida made a great try and managed to just touch it with the tip of his fingers as it drops out there back of second base, and it goes as a base hit for Hayes, putting him on first base, nobody out in the first inning, for the White Sox, and Mike Kravitz, White Sox center fielder, is at bat. Kravitz up there at the plate. Towards his first base and throws, Mike gets a long fly, but it's fouled on the right field line, and going back into seats out of reach. It's one strike on Kravitz. One strike to count. Pitcher has a sign again now. Throws and Mike swings it a long way to deep left field. Way, way out there and it's another home run. And boy, that one went way, way back into the lower deck of the seat. Way back almost to the very rear of the lower deck. And Kravitz is trotting around 
Hit from third base and tapped onto the plate. Oh, these Lions are really seeing some hitting out here. They come out here and they've seen three home runs, and there's only a little more than half inning been played. So the score is three to two in favor of the Senators now in the first inning, and the White Sox have Dixie Walker at bat. Nobody out, two runs home. And the pitcher throws the first one. Dix takes it high and wide for ball one. One ball called. There isn't a strong wind blowing out either. As a matter of fact, a strong wind from the east. And Almeida's hit was against that wind. The others might be getting some support from it, but not enough to carry them in. The next pitch is ball two. It's also wide, and the count is two and nothing on Walker. Two balls and no strikes. And there comes ball three inside and low, so it's three balls and no strikes on Walker. Three and nothing. Deshaun stops to rub up the ball now before pitching the next one to Dix. The umpire calls for the ball, seeing whether it's all right or not. Our Owens examining the ball down there. Finally hands it back to the... Catcher, he throws it out to DeShong and Walker, left-handed hitter, steps up there to plate again. He throws and Dix takes the strike one. Fast ball, it came over the inside corner across the chest, and it's three and one. Three balls and one strike on Walker. He throws again and Dix gets ball four, it's wide, the base on ball, and Zeke Panura is at bat. Panura up there at the plate. Zeke stops to dig in with his right foot there, gets ready to pitch now, or to hit, rather, as Deshaun gets ready to pitch. Jimmy suddenly steps off the mound, but umpire Moriarty over here at first base calls time, and Walker tosses his glass case to Merv Shea, coaching at first base. Apparently got out there and discovered he still has his glass case in his pocket. Those glasses cost about $18 a piece, you know. And the first pitch to Zeke is a high fastball inside for ball one. One ball called. He has the sign again. There's that stretch. He stretches his arms out in front of him instead of over his head. And throws strike one over the inside corner about waist high. So the count is one and one. One ball and one strike on Benura. Walker on first base. Nobody out. Two runs home for the White Sox in the first inning. And Zeke gets the second ball hind wide to make it two and one. Two balls and one strike on Henry. Husky, right-handed hitter. Two and one is the count. Still watching, finally gets his sign again. Pitches, and it's a strike over the outside corner across the knees. Henry lets out a howl. You can hear clear up here. He says, oh. But the ball curving away from him just nicely caught the corner down around the knees. And it's two balls and two strikes on Benora. Two and two is the count. Two and two, pitcher throws again, and Zeke swings at a pop fly coming down back of the alongside the pitcher's mound. And the catcher, Farrell, goes out there to make the catch for the first out in the end. Benora pops out to Farrell out there near the pitcher's mound. It's one out in the first inning for the White Sox. Walker is still on first base with two runs home. And Rip Radcliffe, Ray the Ripper, White Sox, left fielder. 
A left-handed hitter is up there at best. Trying to hit an easy barter down to Meyer, gets it, flips it to shortstop. He throws the first foot, walkers across the bag, well ahead of the throw. Ball was very slowly hit, and Meyer didn't have much chance to make the play start any faster. He pivot was done perfectly by Silas. And so Radcliffe is on first base with two out in the first inning, two runs home, and Luke Appling at bat. Score three to two in favor of Washington in the last half of the first inning. Sean throws the first one, and Luke takes the high one wide for ball one. One ball called. Sean waits out for the next sign. Seems to have it. He's ready. There's the stretch. He pitches, and Appling hits the ball in the center field. Dalmeda comes in nicely, though, and makes the catch for the third out. And it's two runs. Two hits. One man left on base in the last half of the first inning. And at the end of the first inning, Washington leads the White Sox by a score of 3-2. to two. Washington leads the White Sox 3-2 to two at the end of the first inning of this ballgame. The best is none too good where 90% of your driving safety is concerned. Be sure your car has the best in chassis lubrication. Have it Marfax regularly. You'll save money, too, because Marfax is the exclusive Texaco chassis lubricant which lasts twice as long as ordinary grease. Here is Rick Farrell at that start second inning for Washington. Deepak out there is getting ready to pick the first one. Starts his easy swinging wind up. Pitches, and Rick takes a fast strike over the inside corner, a little above the knee. One strike on Farrell. Dietrich winds up again. Throws, and Rick swings to follow the ball back into the second deck, above and back of the plate. And it's two strikes on Farrell. Two strikes to count. Again, the pitcher throws, Rick swings at a slow bounder, Appling comes in nicely, gets it, throws the first, and while the throw is low, Benora gets it nicely to get Farrell out for the first out in the second inning. One out of the second inning for Washington, and DeShong, the Washington pitcher, is a bat, he bats right hand as he pitches, and is already waiting there at the plate. Dietrich gets ready to pitch the first one to him, Bill's getting his sign, starts to wind up. And throws, and the hitter swings hit a high fly to right field. But Walker's back waiting for the ball. He has it, and it's two out in the second inning. Two out in the second inning for the Senators. And Almeida, the Washington center fielder, is at bat. Almeida up there at the plate. Climbs up pitches, and it's a strike over the heart of the plate just above the knee. One strike on Almeida. Throws again, Almeida swings in a line drive to left field, left gets in fast, gets it, and it's three out. No runs, no hits in the second inning for Washington. And the score is still three to two in favor of the Senators as the White Sox come to bat in the last half 
of the second inning. First right-stop hitter being Boesberger, right-stop third baseman. Broadcast of the White Sox Washington game comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox of Chicago, as a presentation of your neighborhood Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco fire cheap gasoline. Broadcast reaches you through station WCFL in Chicago. Don't forget to get your request card and send it in for the 1937 Texaco scoreboard which is now off the presses and being mailed out. Some of them probably arrived this morning at your home. Stop in at any Texaco dealer, ask for a request card, fill it in completely with the information that the spaces are provided for, mail it to me at, at uh, WCFL, since they NBC, that wouldn't be quite right with it. Although if it lands there, we'll see that it goes the right place anyway. But to WCFL, and then we'll see that you get your scorebook by return mail. It'll be mailed direct to you, no delay in delivery this time. A bigger, better book, and much more complete than last year. Bader at bat hits the first pitch, a tremendous wall to deep right center, but Almeida goes over there beautifully to make a nice running catch of that ball for the first out. That Almeida really covers ground, the way that ball started. I thought it was really through there. With Stone coming fast, I didn't think he had a chance. And Almeida came out of nowhere to almost overrun the ball and still make the play. So it's one out in the second inning for the White Sox, with Luke Sewell, White Sox catcher, at bat. Sewell up there at the plate, for three to two, in favor of Washington. Sean winds up now, throws, and the hitter swings, hit a slow monitor down the third baseline. Third baseman Lewis gets it, throws the first, and while Cool had to shift to the back of the bag to take a rather wide throw to the left, he got the runner easily for the second out. That makes it two out in the second inning for the White Sox. And Bill Dietrich, the White Sox pitcher, comes walking up there to the plate. Dietrich at bat with two out in the second inning for the Sox. It's waiting out there at the sign. Pitch the first one to Dietrich. Starts to wind up. And throws and the hitter swings and follows the ball in the grip. <laughs> Hit the ground and bounded out back to the plate. And Sewell was walking on back to the bench and the ball bounced to him. He very casually called, caught it, looked it over, held it out to the umpire and pointed at something umpire at it. And the umpire says, throw it out of play. So Luke rolled it out and over to the dugout. And the next pitch comes back for a strike over the outside corner. Dietrich didn't go after it. So it's two strikes on Bill. Two strikes to count. And he swings at the next one to hit a hard bounder down to the third base, and he gets it, throws the first, and the runner is out as Cool leaves the bag to take the throw and then steps back on the bag for the third out. The ball was hard hit, but straight to Lewis. So it's no runs, no hits in the second inning for the White Sox. Score remaining 3-2 to two in favor of Washington at the end of the second inning. It doesn't pay to experiment with motor oil. Always buy new Texaco motor oil and be sure that your car is getting complete lubrication. Texaco resists heat and it doesn't burn up inside the engine and also it lasts longer, saving you real money. Lewis is at to start the third inning for the Senators and takes the first pitch inside across the knees for ball one. One ball called on Buddy, left-handed hitter, as I mentioned. Dietrich throws again for ball two. That also missed the inside corner down around the knees, and it's two and nothing. Two balls and no strikes. 
Walks up onto the mound, stands there watching the plate again. Finally has his sign, starts to wind up. And throws and the hitter, takes the ball three high and wide. He's got to walk in the first inning and rode home ahead of Simmons on Al's home run. Now he's on his way to another walk from the looks of things. There's the first strike. It's over the outside corner, a little above the knees. So it's three and one, three balls and one strike on Lewis. Three and one is the count. Three and one, but the throws again, and there's a strike over the heart of the plate, just above knee high. So it's three and two, three balls and two strikes on Lewis. Three and two is the count, but the throws once more, but he swings it a fly in the left field. That's just racing back very, very hard and makes a pretty, pretty running catch way back toward the left field corner. And still on the go, running very hard when he made the play. So it's one out in the third inning for the Senators, and Travis. Cecil Travis, the shortstop, is a bat. He got him out very nicely after having found a three and nothing on him. Got two strikes on the man, and then he hit that fly, which Rice could catch it, although he had little trouble catching up with it. Dietrich throws now, and the hitter swings at the line drive. Left field, Dietrich Radcliffe gets over there fast, takes it on the hop, turns and throws it into second base by fast fielding, holds it to a single. The ball was well hit down the left field line, and Radcliffe coming over fast, caught it on the bounce. And now again, the White Sox start team warming up in the left field bullpen. Simmons steps up there and suddenly stops, smooth down the dirt in the mound. The umpire, rather than the batter's box, the umpire calls time for him. Alice back up there again, though. Dietrich's ready to pitch to him, throws, and Simmons swings hit a fly coming down foul on the roof of the stand above first base. One strike on Simmons, one strike to count. Still watching first base, finally throws again, and it's a high one inside for ball one, making it one ball and one strike on Simmons. One and one to count. One and one, but the team set once more. Throws and the hitter swings, hit a bounder down through the shortstop. Applin gets it, flips it to the second baseman. Hayes throws the first, but Simmons had beaten the relay there. It was a slow bounder, and they even had to make a very fast play to get Travis at second. So Hayes throws to first, had no chance of beating Simmons. So it's two out in the third inning for the Senators. Simmons is on first base, and Johnny Stone, the Washington right fielder, is at bat. Stone up there at the plate. Watch the man at first base and pitches and stone takes a strike over the outside corner a little above the knee. One strike on Johnny. Waits there again for his sign, has it, swings around as he gets it, takes a look over his shoulder to the man at first base and pitches and the hitter takes a ball that's inside across the waist and it's one and one. One ball and one strike on stone. One and one the count. Dietrich's ready again, pitches, and the hitter swings it to Swobander at the end of the bat. Berger comes over fast, grabs for the ball, but fumbles it, and the runner is safe on Berger's head. Looked like rather an easy ball, but I think it took just a little bit of a low hop 
And while Bose managed to hit it with the glove and slow it up, he couldn't get it where he could reach it in time to make the play. And it's charged with an error on it. And it moves Simmons to second base. So the Senators have runners on first and second with two outs in the third inning. And Cool, the first baseman, is a bet. Cool up there at the plate. He hits the first one, foul down the left field line. Well, hit ball right along the line, but foul by inches. And it's strike one. One strike to count. And Cool hits a beauty out to deep left center. Ref is going back to have it. It's over his head. Bounds up against the wall. One run is scoring. The second run in. Cool is on his way to third base. Up and gets the ball and throws it in. Should be fixed. And he shots it in the center of the diamond. A triple to left center by Cool. Driving in two unearned runs. Because they would not have scored if there hadn't been the error by Berger. And it gives the Senators a 5-2 lead over the head shot. Senators leading 5-2. Which is an unfortunate break for Dietrich because he isn't having a good enough day, apparently, to be able to weather those bad breaks like that boot and the boys come up with trouble for him as soon as it happens. Now the man at that is Meyer, the second baseman, and Buddy takes a strike over the outside corner. How about waist high? One strike to count. It throws together, it swings the bounder down to Appling. It takes a very nasty hop, and Appling has to throw it his glove to bat it to keep it from hitting him in the face. By the time he recovers it, another run is home, and Meyer is safe at first base. It is probably a base hit. Yes, it is a base hit, because that one took a very bad hop. Appling, who was in front of it, had to throw up his hand to keep from getting hit in the face. Just managed to bat the ball to the ground, and by the time he recovered it, the runner was across first base, and Cool had scored the third run of the inning to give the Senators a 6-2 lead over the White Sox and bring Rick Farrell to bat. Farrell, a right-handed hitter up there at the plate. Farrell swings in a high fly to short right field. Walker's coming in easily under it. Comes in a little bit faster now and makes the catch for the third out. Ending the first half of the third inning with three runs, three hits, one error, one man that's on base. And all three runs are unearned runs because the error was made on a play that would have been the third out. And so the score is 6-2 to two in favor of Washington as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the third inning with Jackie Hayes, White Sox second baseman and leadoff man, the first man up. It's brought back the White Sox-Washington game. Comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox at Chicago. As a presentation of your neighborhood, Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco, fire chief gasoline. Broadcast reaches you through station WCSL in Chicago. He stands there waiting while the song goes through his warm-up. Remember the 1937 Texaco book is now ready. Complaining, containing not only the complete rosters and sets of pictures of the White Sox and Cubs, but also several pages of data on them and their records, several pages of information about plays and questions that come up in baseball rule interpretations, our complete scoring system with symbols and explanations, and pages of illustrations. 
showing how the scoring was set, and more pages for scoring games than ever before. Stop at any technical dealer, get a request card, fill it in and mail it in, and the book will be mailed direct to you immediately by return mail. No delay in delivery this year. Hey, this is the first pitch, a long drive through left center, but I'll made it back there, sauntering back easily, and makes the catch for the first out in the third inning. The ball was well hit, but I'll made it, had no trouble getting over into deep left center to make the play. So it's one out in the third inning for the White Sox, and Mike Cleavich, White Sox center fielder, is at bat. And the first pitch is a strike over the heart of the plate just above the knees. One strike to count. So again, winding up throws, and the hitter takes a wide one across the knees for ball one. So the count is one and one. One ball and one strike on Cleavage. One and one is the count, but throws the next one, the hitter hits a long drive right field, but the right fielder Stone is waiting for that, gets it, and it's two out in the third inning. Two out in the third inning for the White Sox, with Dixie Walker, White Sox right fielder, at bat. Walker up there at the plate, Deshaun has always been more or less tough for the White Sox. All he started out in the first inning is though they were going to make things tough for him, he's caught up with him since then, and with a four-run lead, is going along pretty well. It throws now, and Dixie takes a wide one across the waist for ball one. One ball called. One ball called. It's ready again. Winds up. And throws and the hitter swings to follow the ball into the stand to the right of the plate. And it's one and one. One ball and one strike. One and one the count. And the pitcher seems set again as Walker was out of the box. He sets back up there to the plate once more. And they're watching his sign. Take a look around. The boys out there in the field at the plate once more. Then starts to wind up. And Walker hits the next a high fly in the center field. Del is coming in nicely. Andre slows up a little bit, but not much, and makes the catch on the run for the third out. Ending the third inning with no run, no hits for the White Sox. And at the end of the third inning, Washington is leading the White Sox by a score of 6-2. to two. And now, for scores and batteries from other cities, we return to the studio. In the National League, the Cubs took the first game of a doubleheader from the Philadelphia Phillies, 4-1, to one, with Lee and Hartman, the Cub battery for the entire game, for the Phillies, Johnson and Grace. In the second game, the Cubs lead the Phillies at the end of the first of the third, 5 to nothing, with French and O'Day, the Cub battery for the Phillies, Jorgensen, Grace opening, Mulcahy pitching in the third inning. The Dodgers lead the Pirates at the end of the sixth inning, five to nothing. Roman and Todd, the Pirate battery for the Dodgers, Jeff Cole and Spencer. The Reds lead the Giants at the end of the first of the fifth, six to three. Hollingsworth and Davis, the Red battery for the Giants, Castleman and Danning opening, Smith pitching in the fifth inning. The Bees took the first game from the Cardinals, five to one, with Blake and Owen, the Cardinal battery for the Bees, Petty and Mueller. In the second game at the end of the first inning, it's a scoreless time, nothing to nothing between the Cards and the Bees, with Dizzy Dean and Owen, the Cardinal battery for the Bees, Lanning and Miller. In the American League. The Tigers and Red Sox are tied at the end of the second inning, one and one. Grove and Desotel, the Red Sox battery, for the Tigers, Bridges and Hayworth. The Indians lead the Athletics at the end of the seventh inning, seven to three. Thomas and Conroy opening for the A's. 
with Nelson pitching in the fifth inning, and for the Indians, Harder and Sullivan. And now back to Comiskey Park and Hal Totten. Take it, Hal. Back at the ballpark for the fourth inning, Kane is now the White Sox pitcher, and the first pitch he throws to Deshaun, the Washington pitcher, is a curveball that goes wide for ball one. Deshaun, that's right-handed, and Kane is a right-handed pitcher, as I believe you remember. Kirk starts to wind up again. Rolls and the hitter takes a strike over the outside corner just above the knees, and it's one ball and one strike. One one on Deshaun. Once more, the pitcher starts at one that throws, and Jimmy swings and misses the first ball for a strike, making it one ball and two strikes on Deshaun. One and two the count. Again, King starts to wind up throws, and the hitter swings in a high fly. Cleavage is coming in under it. Now he stands waking, backs up a couple of steps, makes the catch easily, and it's one out in the fourth inning. One out in the fourth inning for Washington and Almeida. Mel Almeida, the Washington center fielder and leadoff man, a left-handed hitter, is at best. There are only three right-handed hitters in the whole lineup, six left-handed swingers. Simmons, Farrell, and Deshaun are the only ones batting right-handed. Pitcher throws now, and Mel takes a curveball right and left for ball one. One ball called. And pitcher seems ready again, winds up once more. Throws and hitter reaches out, bunts one, but it goes far back to the stand, and it's one and one. One ball and one strike on Almeida. One and one the count. One the count, the pitcher winding up once more, he throws, and Mel takes a strike over the outside corner across the knees, and it's one ball on two strikes on Almeida. One and two the count. He swings the next to follow the bat, and it's still one ball and two strikes on Mel. One and two the count. Team set again, rubs that new ball up. Finally sets down the slide and is ready once more. Winding up again. Throws, and now swings hit a bounder down to the shortstop. Atling follows a very bad half nicely. Throws rather right wide to first, but Fenoya reaches way out to the left and gets it for the second out. There's two outs in the fourth inning for Washington. And Lewis, Buddy Lewis, the Washington third baseman, is at that. Lewis up there at the plate. Winds up the pitch first one to Buddy. Throws, and he swings and misses a curveball for strike one. One strike on Lewis. Buddy wakes out there again now. He starts to wind up once more. Throws, and Lewis takes a strike over the outside corner above the knees. And it's two strikes on Buddy. Two strikes to count. Two strikes to count, but winds up once more, throws, and there's a ball that so low it gets away from Sewell, throws back almost to the screen, and it's one and two. One ball and two strikes.
one end to his account, which stands out there waiting again. Takes quite a while. Now he's winding up. Throws in the hitter, swings in a high fly to short left field. Ratcliffe is in there waiting for the ball. He's under it now. Has it. And it's three out. No runs, no hits in the fourth inning for the Senators. And the score is still 6-2 to two in favor of Washington as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the fourth inning. First White Sox hitter will be Zeke Fenura. This broadcast of the White Sox-Washington game comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox in Chicago, as a presentation of your neighborhood Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco Fire Chief Gasoline. The broadcast reaches you through station WCFL. You see Donald McGillany come up here just a few minutes ago? You know, I bet another one's listening in, too, recuperating from some injuries he got in an accident. He's also spending his vacation in bed. That's Alex Robb. He's been moving a lot of listening in, both at the hospital and now that he's home at home. I think he listens to me once in a while. At least I've heard he does. And we're all doggone glad to hear that Alex is getting along better, although, again, it's, I say it's an awful way to spend the vacation. <laughs> Here's the new out there. Zeke hits the first one to fly to right field. Stone is going back on it. Oh, he gets over his head. Bounds back into the field, and he gets it and throws it in as Benora pulls up at second base. Mr. Stone was going to be nonchalant that time, and he started back on that ball very slowly, just taking a step or two, and then he stopped and looked, and then started to race back, but by that time, the ball was over his head. He, man, that fellow Benora really hits the ball, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a two-base hit for Zeke, putting him on second base. But nobody out in the fourth inning for the White Sox. And the man at that is Rick Radcliffe. Let's take the first one inside across the waist. It's ball one. One ball call. One ball call. The team's ready again. Throws the hitter, hits the bounder down to the shortstop. Travis comes up with the ball, throws the first, and Radcliffe is out easily for the first out in the inning with Benora having to stay at second base. The whip is on second base with one out in the fourth inning and Appling. Luke Appling, White Sox, shortstop is at bat. And there's a high one wide for ball one, and the count is one ball called on Luke. One ball call, but the team set again, pitches, and Appling swings and tried to stop his swing, but suddenly he fell down trying to stop it, and he missed a high fastball inside for a strike. Umpire calls time as Appling steps out of the batter's box. But he steps back up there to play again. The count is one ball and one strike. Keeps watching second base, throws again, and the hitter hits the ball down past first base. It goes on down the line to the, this is bullpen where one of the boys gets it to throw it back in. And it's one and two, one ball and two strikes. One and two is the count. And there is another ball. It's wide and the count is two balls and two strikes on Appling. Two and two to count, but you wait there again for the next time. 
Takes another look back at second base, throws, and Luke hits another foul down the right field line, this time back into the seat. Hits two balls and two strikes on Appling. Two and two the count. Then two, pitch waiting there again. Hands on his hips while he gets the sign now. A stretch in front of him, looks back at second. Pitches and it's ball three. Appling step back, take one just above the knees inside, and it's three and two. Three balls and two strikes. Three and two is a comp. It's waits out there again. Takes another look at second base. Now he's ready. Pitches. And it's a curve ball wide and low for ball three. Or ball four, rather. And Appling gets a base on ball. Puts him on first base. The White Sox have runners on first and second with one out in the fourth inning. And Bozberger, Lou Berger, White Sox, third baseman, is at bat. Washington leading the White Sox by a score of 6-2 to two in the last half of the fourth inning. Still watching second base, throws the hitter, swings and drives the ball hard to right field. Stone goes back nicely this time to make the catch after starting to just wait as he did on the ball that Venora hit, but he got back that time to make the catch and it's two out. Makes it two out in the fourth inning for the White Sox. They still have runners on first and second, and Luke Sewell, White Sox catcher, is at bat. Sewell up there at the plate. Score is 6-2 in favor of Washington in the last half of the fourth inning. Pitcher turns and throws the second. Meyer takes the ball and tags Benora, who was already back on the base. So Zeke takes his lead again. White Sox runners on first and second. Two out in the fourth. Sewell is back. They're ready now. Throws and Sewell takes the curve ball wide. Rich Farrell came up with the ball. Hands at the umpire. He would take off that time very peculiarly, as though it might be something wrong with the cover, but the umpire decides no, throws it, hands it back to Cashew, throws it back to Pitcher. And the pitcher's ready out there again, seems to have the side, and there's the stretch once more, takes another look back at second pitches, and it's a wide one across the knees for ball two. And the count is two and nothing, two balls and no strikes on Sewell. Two and nothing to count. One, nothing, but the team's ready again. Throws, and Sewell swings hit a high fly in a short left field. Simmons is in waiting for the ball, and he circles around a little bit, finally makes the catch for the third out. Al seemed a little bit indecisive that time. He danced first one side, then to the other, but he finally made the catch, as he usually does, for the third out. And it's no run, one hit, two men left on base. In the last half of the fourth inning for the White Sox, and the score stands 6-2 in favor of the Senators. At the end of the fourth inning. Tourists are the people who roll up big mileage every year, and they have ample opportunity to compare the pickup, power, speed, and mileage of many different gasolines. And tourists buy more Texaco Fire Cheap gasoline than any other brand. They know that Fire Cheap gives them more for their money. Why don't you try Fire Cheap? In your car. 
Well, Donald McGibbon, he's a busy man out there. Oh, look, he's got Joe Allegretti with him down there. What do you know about that? A lot of wires here. What's this from Hepburn out? The Texas Company in Rockford. Unable to secure two tickets Sunday game. Only game I can see this season. Greatly appreciate any assistance you can give. Thanks. Uh, sorry, my friend. It's too late. You just can't give any assistance because there just are no more tickets to be had. That is reserved tickets. There'll be 40,000, 45,000 tickets placed on sale on Sunday morning. 40,000 grandstand and 5,000 late there. See Dobbins again, say hello to me. Charlie Comiskey knew him well. C.J. Broughton from Well Met. Wow. Oh, here's Dick Banner. Three runs is nothing, Al. Call me after the game. Okay, a little bit of salary. Yes, sir. One fella sitting right out here in front of us, R.G. Hertzka, Taylor from the south side here at Chicago, who says he's seen his first game, although he's been in this city for 50 years. He went once back in 24 and fell asleep during the pregame practice and so never saw it, so he's taking a look today. First man at bat in the fifth inning. Savage hits the first pitch down to Epling and is thrown out at first base for the first out in the fifth inning. One out in the fifth inning for the Senators. And Al Simmons is at bat. Al Simmons, the Washington left fielder. Pitch winds up now to pitch the first one, throws, now takes a curveball wide for ball one. One ball called on Simmons. Pitch winding up once more. Throws, and now takes a wide one across the knees for ball two, and the count is two and nothing. Two balls and no strikes on Simmons. Two and nothing is the count, but the white out there smooths the dirt down. On the, in front of the slab, then starts to wind up. And pitches, and now starts to swing, but stops to take a ball that's over the plate, but too low. And it's three and nothing. Three balls and no strikes on Simmons. Three and nothing to count. Three and nothing, but it seems ready again. Winds up once more. Throws, and now takes a strike over the outside corner above knee high, making it three and one. Three and one is the count. Hitter swings the next one to hit a high fly coming into right field. And Walker comes all the way in almost to the infield to make the catch. And it's one out. Or rather two out in the fifth inning. About to take a look down here and question Ernie asked. And so discovered it was two out instead of one. And it's two out in the fifth inning for the Washington Senators. And Stone at that. Oh, get me one of those six shooters. That would have me some fun. Yelza. There's our moon on friend, George. And the first pitch to Stone, he takes wide and low for ball one. One ball called. One ball call, pitcher ready once more, starts to wind up. Pitches and the hitter swings, hits the ball hard into right center for a good base hit. Walker's over there fast, throws previous. Dixie makes the play, throws the ball into second base, and the runner gallops back to first, a single to right center by Stone, putting him on first base with two out in the fifth inning for the Senators. And Joe Cool, the Washington first baseman, is at best. Cool up there to take. Washington first base now looks to play. Gets ready to pitch the 
First one to cool. Now he has the sign, there's the stretch, looks back at first base pitches, and it's a high one inside for ball one. One ball called. Keane has the sign again, takes another look at the runner, then pitches a slow one, the header swings hit a high fly to short left field, Radcliffe coming in hard, calling for the ball, he has it. Appling had started back fast, but slowed down when the ripper made the call, and so Ray gets the ball for the third out. It's no runs, one hit, and one man left on base in the first half of the fifth inning, and the score is still 6-2 to two in favor of the Senators, as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the fifth inning. Kane himself, the White Sox pitcher, the first man at bat. Broadcast, the White Sox Washington game comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox at Chicago, as a presentation of your neighborhood Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco, Fire Chief Gasoline. The broadcast reaches you through WCFL in Chicago. Kane is already standing up there alongside of umpire Owens, who's been talking to Newell Haas, White Sox reserve outfielder who's on his way down the first base coaching line. Hayes out here waiting to swing. Hi, Don. How's that Northwood fan of yours coming along? Yeah, I saw Joe out there. The uh, pitcher's ready now, winds up to pitch the first one, throws the hitter, swings, and follows the ball back to the screen for strike one. One strike on Kane. And the pitcher winds up again, throws, hit her swings, and misses the curveball inside for a strike, and it's two strikes on Kane. Hit her swings, the next one is the bounder of the first baseman, Cool gets it, runs over, steps on first base, and it's one out in the fifth inning for the White Sox. One out in the fifth inning with Jackie Hayes, White Sox, leadoff man, and second baseman, now at bat. Waits out there now to pick the first one to Jackie Hayes. Pitcher starts to wind up. And throws, and Jackie takes the curveball inside and low for ball one. One ball called. Pitcher again starts to wind up. Pitches, and there's a high one wide for ball two, and the count is two and nothing. Two and nothing is the count with the pitcher ready again. He winds up once more, throws, and there's a high one wide for ball three, making it three balls and no strikes on Hayes. Three and one is the count. Waiting out there again now, stands there getting a sign, starts to wind up, and pitches and Hayes gets the fourth ball, it's high and inside, and it's a base on ball for Hayes, which he can bring him on first base with one out in the fifth inning and Krivich at best. Pitcher stands on the rubber there, getting a sign to pitch the first one to Cleavich. 
And the pitch comes over the plate for strike one. One strike on Mike. And there is ball one, and the count is one ball and one strike on Cedic. One and one, the count on Mike. He's on first base, one out of the fifth inning for the White Sox. Washington leading six to two. And he hits the next one, a line drive straight into the shortstop's hands. He gets the ball, throws the first, and the ball bounces out of Cool's glove. However, I think Hayes' head managed to get back there just in time. Ball was well hit, but straight into shortstop Savage hands, and he threw fast at first to try to complete a double play, but Hayes got back, and then the ball bounces out of Cool's glove anyway. However, it's two out in the fifth inning for the White Sox, and Walker, Dixie Walker is at bat. And the hitter swings at an easy bounder down to Miles, gets a throw to first base, and Walker is out for the third out. So it's no runs, no hits, one man left on base in the last half of the fifth inning for the White Sox. And the score, at the end of the fifth inning, the, White, uh, the Washington Senators are leading the White Sox by a score of 6-2. to two. And now again, for just a moment, we return to the studio. Stop for selling a Texaco Fire Chief gasoline. When you've tried Fire Chief in your car, tested it, given it a thoroughgoing third-degree trial under every driving condition, then, and only then, will you know what emergency action really means. Texaco Fire Chief gasoline meets rigid specifications for emergency use, for use in fire engines, ambulances, and police cars. With Fire Chief in the tank of your car, you get everything in power, speed, and economy. That's why more tourists from coast to coast buy Fire Chief than any other single brand. So stop for a tank full of Fire Chief today. You'll get more for your money, yet you don't pay one cent more for Fire Chief than you do for ordinary gasoline. And now back to Comiskey Park for the continuation of the baseball game. Take it, Hal. The uh, back at the ballpark for the start of the sixth inning, ladies and gentlemen, the first man at bat for the Senators will be Meyer, Buddy Meyer, the second baseman. Left-handed hitter, he's already up there to play to start the sixth inning. Washington leading by a score of 6-2. to two. And the first pitch is a wide one for ball one. One ball called on Meyer. One ball called, which waits out there again, steps up to the hitter, steps up, back up to the plate. He was out of the batter's box. And it just throws, and he takes a ball wide and low, making it two and nothing on Meyer. Two balls and no strikes on Buddy Meyer. Washington second baseman at bat to start the sixth inning. Washington leading six to two. Kane again starts to wind up. Throws, and the hitter takes a strike over the inside corner about knee high, and so it's two and one. Two balls and one strike. Kane again starts to wind up. Throws, and the hitter swings, and it's a high fly to short left field up back at third base. Happening, going back there and makes the catch over near the foul line for the first out in the sixth inning. One out in the sixth inning for the Senators, and Rick Farrell steps up there to the plate. Farrell is at bat. Always waiting for the infielders to get back their position. Gets the sign, starts to wind up, and throws, and it's a strike over the outside corner above the knees. One strike on Farrell. One strike to count. 
of getting his sign once more, suddenly Farrell discovers something wrong with the bat and starts back to the bench to get another one. Apparently, Fonz was a crack in the handle of that one, which he didn't know about, so he throws it to the ground, takes another one from the bat point, starts back up to the plate. Barney arrives there at the plate. And Kane smoothing the dirt down in front of the slabs, ready to pitch to him once more. And they're getting signed, starts to wind up. And pitches and the hitter swings, hit a ball hard down to Berger, who makes a nice stop on a very bad hop and throws the first base, getting Farrell for the second out. That makes it two outs in the sixth inning for the Senators. And DeShong, the Washington pitcher, is coming up there to the plate. DeShong is back. Finally arrives there. Pays the pitcher, but the stands there getting his turn. Starts his wind up. And throws in the hitter, takes a strike over the heart of the plate about waist high. One strike on Deshaun. One strike to count. Kane winds up again, throws, and Jimmy Jig gets the ball, just missed the outside corner about across the waist, dropped out of the catcher's glove, and it's one and one. One ball and one strike. One and one is the count with the pitcher winding up again. He throws, and there is the second ball. It's wide and low, making it two and one on Deshaun. Two balls and one strike. Two and one the count with the pitcher winding up again. He throws, and it's inside and low for the third ball, making it three and one on Deshaun. Three balls and one strike. Kane takes an easy wind-up, throws again, and it's strike two. It barely caught the inside corner a little above the knees, making it three and two on Deshaun. Three balls and two strikes. He again starts to wind up, throws. And the hitter swings right through the box. He hits the ball and in the center field for a base hit. A single to center field by Jimmy DeShong, the Washington pitcher. Puts him on first base. Two out in the sixth inning. And Almeida, the Washington center fielder, is at best. Hitter swings and fouls the first one into the second deck, above and to the right of the plate. And it's strike one. One strike to count. The ball bounds out and over after being fumbled by some of the spectators up here. Goes down amongst the box seat occupants downstairs. It's one strike on Almeida. And the pitch is ready again. Throws and it's inside across the way for a ball, making it one and one. One ball and one strike. One and one is the count. One and one, pitcher waiting there again for the sign as Almeida shifts first the bat, first to one hand, then the other. Finally gets ready as Kane pitches and the hitter swings, hit a ball in the center field. Cravich going way back and makes the catch out there for the third out. <laughs> Cravich never hesitated. That ball had hardly left the bat before he had turned his back to the infield and was heading straight for that bleach at wall. And he started watching back over his shoulder and whirled at the last minute to make that catch in deep center for the third out. So it's no run. One hit, one man left on base in the first half of the sixth inning. And the score is still 6-2 to two in favor of Washington as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the sixth with Zeke Benora again, the first man at bat. 
I don't know how many of the listeners had heard the one unusual bit of baseball news today. Down there in St. Louis, they've had quite a shake-up. And manager Hornsby and coach Charlie O'Leary, who is incidentally resides in Chicago, have been released. And for the remainder of the season, at least, Jim Bottomley has been made manager of the Browns. And Gabby Street, who formerly managed the Cardinals and has recently been up there at St. Paul, has been called in to assist Bottomley as coach. And that's the reorganization today down there in St. Louis of the American League Club. Panula is up there at the plate now. Starts the last half of the sixth inning. He waits out there to get the sign. Starts to wind up. And throws and Zeke takes a slow and it's a curve over the outside corner about knee high for strike one. One strike on Benura. Waiting there for the next time. Seems to have it. Starts to wind up. And pitches in there to take the wide one across the chest for ball one. So it's one and one. One ball and one strike on Benura. One and one the count. One and one. Pitch winds up again. Throws. Zeke swings in a long drive. Center field. But Almeida's over there waiting for it. Has it. And it's one out in the sixth inning. One out in the sixth inning for the White Sox. And Radcliffe, the White Sox left fielder, is at bat. Rep Radcliffe up there now. Whitehead's doing a little warming up in the bullpen, but I believe it's just to get a good loosening up because he's expected to open against the Yankees next Friday. Remember, the Yankees here are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a doubleheader Sunday. The first pitch to Radcliffe is a strike over the outside corner about... Waist high. One strike count. He's ready again. Winds up once more. Throws. And there's a ball. A third ball inside. Wait a minute. I call that other one a strike. Apparently it was a ball. I thought I saw the umpire's arm come up on it. It was ball one. So it's ball two now. According to that board. And there is ball three inside across the waist. Making it three and nothing. Three balls and no strikes. Once more, Deshaun starts to wind up. Pitches, and there's a strike down the middle way side. Throw the count of three and one. Three and one the count. And there's the first ball, high and wide. Radcliffe gets the base on ball. He's on first base with one out in the sixth inning for the White Sox. And Luke Appling, White Sox shortstop, is at best. Appling up there at the plate.
Red one, pitcher seems ready again, throws, and it's strike two right down the alley, just a little below the waist, making it two and two, two balls and two strikes on Appling. One out, Red people on first base in the sixth inning for the start, Washington leading six to two. Deshaun pitches again, and Appling gets the third ball, a fast one inside across the chest, run the count to three and two. Three balls and two strikes. There's the sign again. Takes another look at the man at first. Pitches the runners on the goal as Appling hits the ball right back at the shortstop. And he throws to second base and it's both out. Although the play at second was a little close, the uh, Radcliffe went off the base and then went back to the base again. And uh, is standing there on second base while they're trying to decide amongst the umpires what is what. Appling is arguing with umpire Johnson that he thought that the runner was safe at second and Dykes is out there. The umpire got himself into the argument by the fact that he spread his hand to indicate safe, and then, after the ball was thrown to first base, lifted his hand to his shoulder, indicating out. If he had raised his hand to begin with, I don't think there'd been any argument. And now several of the players are gathered around him, because he did, he spread his hand parallel to the ground, which is the usual sign to indicate safe. And then as the ball started on its way to first base, the one hand came up about even with his shoulder. I noticed that, but figured that he had started to call him safe, then realized he was out and made the change in play. But naturally, the ball players are going to, if possible, <laughs> remind him of a situation like that. So anyway, it's a double play, making it three out. No runs, no hits in the sixth inning for the White Sox. And the score, standing 6-2 to two in favor of Washington at the end of the sixth inning. And now again, for scores and batteries from other cities, we return to the studio. The National League, the Cubs took the first game from the Phillies 4-1, to one, and at the end of the sixth inning of the second game, lead the Phillies 5 to nothing. The Cubs 5, Phillies nothing at the end of the sixth inning of the second game with French and O'Day, the Cub battery for the second game for the Phillies. Jorgensen Atwood opening, Mulcahy pitching in the third inning. The Brooklyn Dodgers blanked the Pirates today 6 to nothing with Bowman and Todd, the Pirate battery, for the winning Dodgers, Jeff Cole and Spencer. The Reds lead the Giants at the end of the seventh inning, 6-4, to four, with Hollingsworth and Davis, the Red battery, for the Giants, Castleman and Danning, Smith in the fifth, and Kaufman in the seventh. The Bees beat the Cardinals in the first game, 5-1, to one, and lead the Cardinals at the end of the fifth inning of the second game, 2-1, to one, with Dizzy Dean and Owen working for the Cardinals in the second game for the Bees, Lanning and Miller. In St. Louis, the Yanks and the Browns are tied at the end of the first inning, nothing to nothing, with Wicker and Dickey, the Yankee battery, for the Browns, Coupo and Hemsley. In Detroit, the Red Sox lead the Tigers at the end of the first half of the fifth inning, 4-1, to one, with Grove and Deshotel, the Red Sox battery, for the Tigers, Bridges and Hayworth. The Indians won the first game of the doubleheader from the Philadelphia Athletics, 9-8, to eight, with Bob Feller, the winning pitcher, and in the second game, the warm-up pitchers for the A's, Ross, for the Indians, Gale House. And now back to Comiskey Park and Hal Totten. Take it, Hal. Back to ballpark for the seventh inning, ladies and gentlemen, Lewis is the first man to start for Washington. The first pitch for a ball, followed the next one into the second deck to the left for a strike. And now the pitcher winds up, throws again. But he hits the ball hard into right field for a good, clean line single. Single right by Lewis, putting him on first base. Nobody out of the seventh inning for Washington. And Travis, the Washington shortstop, is at bat. Travis upsets the plate. Kane out there, smooths the dirt down, gets ready to pitch the... First one, Travis. Gets his sign, there's the stretch. He looks at first base and throws over to first. And the runner's back with plenty of time, though. Nobody out in the seventh inning. Lewis on first base. The score 6-2 in favor of Washington. Travis at bat. 
Watch the first base throws and the header swings in a high fly coming down far back to third base and back into the seats out of reach. It's one strike on seven. One strike to count. One strike is the count. The pitcher waiting out there again. that dirt down in front of the slab and face the plate once more. It's quite a while, finally has a sign. And pitches in the hitter, swings, hit a bounder down, Hayes goes far to his left, that court, but it bounds on out in the right field, and the runner from first keeps right on for third base. Hayes dashed far to his left, grabbed for the ball, but it bounded, took a bad hop and went over his hand, on out in the right field for a base hit. Moving Lewis to third base. And the Senators have runners on first and third. Nobody out in the seventh inning. And Simmons, Al Simmons, the Washington left fielder, is at bat. Simmons up there at the plate. Rigney is now warming up to the top alongside of Whitehead, who I believe, as I said, is tuning up for his appearance Friday. And first pitch to Simmons, the third ball wide for ball one. One ball called. Seems ready out there once more now. Throws and the hitter swings, hit a ball in the right field for another base hit. One run is scored, the runner from first makes the turn, but Walker's throw across the infield. Two outling holds him at second base. So Simmons single direct scores Lewis. It's Simmons' third run batted in today. And Washington now leads the White Sox by a score of 7-2 to two in the seventh inning. Their runners on first and second with nobody out. One run already home. And Stone, the right fielder, is at best. Donnie's already up there at the plate, infield playing for an expected punt. Kane looks back at second base and pitches, and Stone instead swings at the high fly in short left field. Radcliffe's coming in very fast and gets it for the first out in the seventh inning. One out in the seventh inning for Washington, and Joe Cool, the Washington first baseman, is at best. Cool up there at the plate. And the hitter swings in a high fly into deep right center. Walker's way, way back there, so is Kravich. Mike calls for the ball, makes the catch, and makes the throw into second base, holding the runner at first, but the runner from second goes on to third after the catch. So it's two out in the seventh inning for Washington. They have runners now on first and third with one run home. And the man of that is Buddy Meyer, the Washington second baseman. But he stands there quite waiting as Kane gets his time, gets ready to pitch the first one to him. There's a stretch, looks at the rudder, first and third, and pitches, and the hitter hits a high fly to right field. Walker's back waiting for the ball, backs up a little more, and makes the catch, although he caught him. Kneeled down as he caught the ball, as though he again had lost it in that tough sun that they have to battle out there in the outfield. But he made the catch for the third out. And so, in the first half of the seventh inning, Washington had one run, three hits, Two men left on base, and the score is 7-1 to one in favor of the Senators as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the seventh inning. Crowd is up for the seventh inning stretch, and the first White Sox hitter will be Berger. This broadcast of the White Sox-Washington game comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, the home of the White Sox at Chicago, as a presentation of your neighborhood Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco Fire Chief Gasoline.
The broadcast reaches you through station WCFL in Chicago. Attention, please. Berg is already up there to take. For those lions that are returning to the loop are now parked on 34th Street. Announcing where the buses are to take the lions back downtown. And anytime they want to go out there, they can go and get them. But I don't imagine many of them will want to leave yet. There's a laugh went through the stands when he said they're there now if you want to leave now. They don't want to wait till the end of this ball game. Here's Berger set to start the last half of the seventh inning for the White Sox. They start the plate as Deshaun looks around at the boys in the field, gets ready to pitch. Stands there getting his time. Starches wind up throws, and the hitter swings in a high fly, coming back on the roof of the stand above third base, and it's one strike on Berger. One strike to count. This is waiting out there again. Gets his time, he's winding up. And throws, and the hitter swings in, misses the curveball outside for strike two. And it's two strikes on Berger. Two strikes to count. Mitchell again starts to wind up. Throws and the hitter takes a wide one across the knees. And it's ball one. So it's one ball and two strikes on both. One and two to count. Berger takes the next one for the second strike. Rather, third strike. Over the heart of the plate just above the knees. And he's called out on strike. For the first out of the seventh inning. Didn't agree with that very much, but didn't have much of a complaint to make. And now Luke Sewell steps up there to the plate. Sewell with that. Rigney keeping warm and might go in there in case they use a pinch hitter for Kane this inning. And Sewell takes the first pitch for a good strike over the heart of the plate about waist high. One strike on Sewell. Long waits there again, has to sign once more, starts to wind up. Pitches, and the hitter swings and hits the slow bounder to the infield. Third baseman Lewis gets it, throws the first, but cool. Had to make a fine reaching one-handed stab of the ball, a high throw to the left, but he got it and held on to it on a nice play for the second out. So it's two out in the seventh inning for the White Sox, and Kane, the pitcher, is coming up to bat. Kane is on his way up there. Walking slowly up that plate. Finally arrives. Now Mr. Stratton's going to take a little workout out there in the bullpen also to loosen up a little today, I reckon. And Kane swings the first pitch and miss the curveball inside for strike one. One strike is the count. He throws again, the header swings and misses the curveball. For strike two, and it's two strikes on King. Two strikes, the top of the pitcher ready once more. Winds up, pitches and the hitter swings and misses, striking out for the third out in the seventh inning, making it no runs, no hits in the seventh inning for the White Sox. And at the end of the seventh inning, the White Sox and Washington Senators stand with Washington leading seven to two. Washington seven. White Sox 2 at the end of the 7th inning. Don't drive a car that is full of squeaks and rattles. Let your Texaco dealer give your car a mark back job. 
small pack will get rid of all squeaks and rattles and make your car run smoother and ride easier. It lasts longer, too. Try Marfax Lubrication Job. First man of thought in the eighth time for Washington will be Rick Fowle, who is already on his way up there to the plate. Almeida, the leadoff man and center fielder, left-handed hitter, is up there to play. Almeida's bat 
It throws Mel swings it a high fly to right field. Walker's back under the ball. Comes in under it a little bit. Makes the catch and throws hard. Oh, look at that throw across the infield. Holy cat. Walker threw that ball to within five feet of third base and straight as a die and gets a terrific round of applause from the fans for that great throw. That's the arm that was weak last year. So weak they had to tear it apart and put it together again. He's really been doing some throwing. And they uh, sort of respected that, too. That runner just made a start for third and then went back and stood there. Of course, he isn't particularly a fast man, but even then, very usually, the man at second on a ball hit that deep will go to third anyway. So it's two out in the eighth inning for Washington. Farrell is still on second base. And Lewis, Buddy Lewis, the third baseman, another left-hander hitter at bat, hits the first pitch, a long hopper down to Appling and gets it, throws the first, and Lewis is out for the third out, ending the eighth inning, the first half of the eighth. No runs, one hit, one man left on base. Game pitch, good ball there. The first man up doubled, and he was still on second base when the inning was over. So it's 7-2 in favor of Washington as the White Sox come to bat in the last half of the eighth inning with Jackie Hayes, the White Sox second baseman and leadoff man, the first man at bat. Hayes up there at the plate. <coughs> Whoa. Got a frog in the throat. Broadcast the White Sox Washington game comes to you direct from Comiskey Park, home of the White Sox in Chicago. As a presentation of your neighborhood Texaco dealer, distributor of Texaco Fire Chief Gasoline. The broadcast reaches you through station WCFL in Chicago. Hayes waits there as Deshaun goes through his warm up. Strong on the mound gets ready to pitch the first one to him. Starts to wind up and pitches. And the hitter takes a high one inside for ball one. One ball called. One ball called. Ready again. Starts to wind up once more. Throws and Jackie takes a strike over the heart of the plate just above the knees and it's one and one. Brown and Stratton are both warming up now in the bullpen now for stop. Brown, I think, could go in there if they could suddenly get a big rally going here and get down far enough for the pinch hitter. The hitter hits the ball back over the pitcher's head, and Meyer gets the ball near second base and makes a nice underhand fit throw to first in order to retire Hayes by an eyelash for the first out in the eighth inning. One out in the eighth inning for the White Sox, and Mike Kravitz is a bat. White Sox have still made only three hits. Off to Shong, the last one being Benoit's double in the fourth, which was really a misjudged fly on the part of Stone. Tom McGinty wants him to get started, but it starts pretty soon. Kravitz gets the first pitch, an easy bounder down to Travis, who gets it, throws the first, and Kravitz is out for the second out. So it's two out in the eighth inning for the White Sox, and Walker is at bat. Takes a look around, getting ready to pitch the first one to Dixie. Finally starts to wind up. Throws, and Walker swings it about her down to the left, and it bounds back. He shorts top, and out back 
of second base McGrath, and I believe it will be a base hit because the ball took a very nasty hop, and the uh, shortstop had to reach for it, and it bounded past him, and it's a base hit for Walker on a ball that took a nasty hop past Travis, the shortstop. So put Dix on first base with two out in the eighth inning, and Zeke Venura is at bat. Venura is up there at the plate. And the first pitch is wide and low for ball one. One ball called. And the pitcher throws again. Zeke takes the high one inside for a ball. And the count is one and one. One ball and one strike. One and one on Bonora. Waits for the next sign. There he has it. There's the stretch. Let's look at first base pitches. And it's a curve ball wide and low for ball two. So the count is two balls and one strike. Two and one on Zeke Bonora. Once more, the pitcher steps on the slab, adjusts his cap, looks the hitter, gets his sign, he's ready to pitch, takes a look at the man at first base pitches, and Zeke takes the high one inside for ball three, and it's three balls and one strike on Bonora. Three and one the count. Washington leading the White Sox, seven to two in the last half of the eighth inning. Sean ready again, pitches, and Bonora swings and hits the ball foul, hits the catcher's mask. And then the protector and bounds off to the right, but he gets it and throws it back to the pitcher. Deshaun stands out there on the mound, rubbing that ball up. Finally turns around, watches the plate again while he finishes rubbing up the ball, steps on the slab, suddenly steps off, takes a look at the runner at first. Cool holds his hands out, so saying, come on, you want to throw the ball for it? But he throws it into the plate instead so the umpire can look it over. Three and two is the count. Fire Owens examines it very carefully, hands it back to the catcher. Zeke shakes the edge, and the ball is thrown back out to the pitcher with a count of three balls and two strikes on Bonora. Three and two the count. Get the weights out there for the next sign. There's the stretch again. He pitches, and with a runner on the goal, Bonora follows the ball onto the roof of the stand above first base, and it's three and two still. Three balls and two strikes. On Zeke. Three and two the count. Stands there watching the plate getting ready to pitch again. Finally as he signed, pitches with a runner on the goal, the hitter hits one foul down the left field line. Hard hit bounded, and it's three and two still on Zeke. Three balls and two strikes. Three and two to count. Pitcher <laughs> seems ready again, throws. And it's a wide one for ball four as he gets the base on ball. It moves Walker to second base. And Rip Radcliffe comes up there to the plate for the shot. That's been up there three times. He forced. Walker for the second out in the first inning. Grounded out to the shortstop for the first out in the fourth. Walker was forced to second base to front end of the double play that ended the sixth inning. And he's up there now. 
with two out in the eighth inning. White Sox runners on first and second. Score seven to two in favor of Washington. And the first pitch inside and low for ball one. One ball call. You ready out there again? Takes another look at second. Pitches and Ratcliffe hits the ball in the center field for a base hit. Runs to second for round third on his way home. And Venora stops and races back to second base just in time. Made the turn for third, returned and dashed back to second. Make sure he'd be in safe somewhere and still was almost out. However, Ratcliffe single to center. Scores Walker. Make the score seven to three in favor of Washington. And Luke Appling is at bat. Appling up that straight. With runners on first and second, two out, one run home in the eighth, and Washington leading seven to three. Appling lined out to the center fielder for the third out in the first inning. Walton was left on base in the fourth and hit into the double play that ended the sixth inning. He's up there now. White Sox runners on first and second, two out, one run home in the eighth inning. Washington leading seven to three. And Luke takes the first pitch inside and low for ball one. One ball call. Seems they have a sign again. There's a stretch. Take another look back at back. Second base pitches for a strike. Slow curve to the inside. Caught the heart of the plate above knee high. And it's one and one. My goodness, Thornton Lee. He pitched yesterday and won. He's out there warming up for the socks along with Brown. And the hitter hits the ball foul down past third base. And it's one and two. Pitching inside Appling for some reason or other. One and two is the count. One ball and two strikes. And the pitcher wakes out there again. Gets a new ball to pitch. Seems ready. Takes a look back at second base. Throws an appling swing. Hit a pop fly out back at second base. Travis the shortstop and Meyer the second baseman are there. And Buddy comes into the infield. Catches the ball. Almost drops it but manages to scoop it in against his chest and hang on to it for the third out. So it's one run, two hits, and two men left on base in the last half of the eighth inning for the White Sox. And at the end of the eighth inning, Washington is leading the White Sox by a score of seven to three. Washington leading the White Sox seven to three at the end of the eighth inning. You'll start saving money the minute you fill the crankcase of your car with new Texaco motor oil. Texaco's perforol film is tough. It resists heat. It lasts longer. You'll be surprised how little oil your car will use when it has new Texaco motor oil. So try a crankcase full right away. First last out in the ninth inning for Washington is Travis, the shortstop. Seats is already up at the plate as Kane finishes his warm-up, moves the dirt down in front of the slab, stands there watching the plate and gets ready to pitch. Getting his sign out there. Finally starts his wind-up. Pitches and the hitter takes a strike over the heart of the plate just above the knee. One strike on Travis. Strike at the count. Mr. Wilkes there again has the sign once more. Starts to wind up. 
Pitches them there to take it inside across the waist for ball one. And the count is one ball and one strike on Travis. One and one. Gets the next one for a foul down the left field line and into the second deck. It's one and two. One ball and two strikes. One and two to count. If you walk slowly up onto the slab again, stands there getting his sign as he watches his catcher. And finally starts to wind up. Pitches. And the hitter swings and follows the ball back to the screen. It's still one and two. Ed Linky is doing a little warming up down the right field bullpen for the Senators. One and two to count. It's waiting out there again. Stands are getting a sign. Winds up. And pitches and the hitter swings at an easy bounder down to Hayes who gets it on the second half. Throws the first. And Travis is out for the first out of the ninth inning. One out of the ninth inning for the Senators. And Al Simmons, the Washington left fielder, is at bat. Simmons up there at the plate. Kane has his sign. He's winding up. And throws and Al swings and hits the ball hard. And Hayes leaps into the air to make a fine one-handed stab of that ball and hang on to it. For the second up. Very nice play by Jackie. And it's two out in the ninth inning for the Senators. With Stone, Johnny Stone, the Washington right fielder at that. Stone up there at the plate. It starts to wind up. Throws and Stone takes it inside and glow for ball one. Ball rolls back from the catcher. So he gets another ball and throws it out to pitcher. Kane rubs it up a little bit. Has a sign once more, winds up, throws, and Stone starts to swing, stops the ball, hits the bat, and goes foul up into the second deck down in front of us to our left a little bit. And it's one and one. One ball and one strike. One and one to count. Seems ready out there again. Stands there watching the catcher for the sign. Starts to wind up. Still winding up until the Hitter steps out of the box. He took such a long session out there, swinging his arms back and forth. In fact, he even looked away over toward the dugout. And now the pitcher winds up and pitches, and Stone swings it a high fly into center field. Peter stands there waiting. Now he jogs three or four steps to the right. He's jogging in a little and makes the catch for the third out. So it's no runs, no hits in the ninth inning for Washington. There's no hit. And the score is clear. 7-3 in favor of the Senators as the White Sox come to bat in the last time of the ninth inning with Berger, Rose Berger, the Washington third baseman, the first man at bat. Well, somebody's going to bat for Berger. Mr. Rosenthal, Larry Rosenthal, is up there to bat in place of Berger. In the ninth inning, he's already waiting there, swinging a couple of bats. White Sox last chance to get back in this ball game. 
because the Senators have a four-run lead and are leading 7-3 to three going into the last half of the ninth.
at six straight. No runs, one hit, one man left on base in the last half of the ninth inning. And the total, the Senators had seven runs, 12 hits, no errors, and seven men left on the bases. And the White Sox had three runs, six hits, one error, and seven men left on the bases. The winning pitcher, of course, was DeShong. The losing pitcher was Dietrich in the time of the game, one hour and 54 minutes. No game here tomorrow. We'll do the Cup game by wire on the air. And then on Friday, the New York Yankees are here to open their four-game series, single games Friday and Saturday, and a doubleheader on Sunday. All of the reserved seats and box seats are sold for Sunday, but 40,000 grandstand seats and 5,000 bleacher seats will be placed on sale Sunday morning. So there's still plenty of room for everybody. Well, that's all for now. So Hal Totten speaking for Uncle George as well as himself. Bid you good afternoon from Comiskey Park, and we return to the studio. Goodbye now. Speaking first, the National League. The Cubs took both games of a twin bill from the Philadelphia Phillies today, winning the first four to one with four runs, ten hits, and one error. To the Phillies, one run, eight hits, and no errors. Leon Hartnett, the Cub battery for the first game. For the Phillies, Johnson and Grace. In the first game, Collins had a home run in the first inning and Camille of the Phillies in the ninth inning. The Cubs won the second game six to nothing. They had six runs, eleven hits, and no errors. To the Phillies, no runs, six hits, and three errors. French and O'Day, the Cub battery for the second game, and for the Phillies, Jorgensen Atwood opened with Mulcahy pitching in the third inning, Kelleher in the eighth, and Crawford in the ninth inning. These two wins on the part of the Cubs, and the Giants losing to the Reds by a score of 6-5, to five, puts the Cubs two games ahead of the Giants in the National League race. The Giants lost to the Reds today, 6-5, to five, when the Reds scored six runs, nine hits, and two errors, to the Giants five runs, ten hits, and five errors. Hollingsworth and Davis, the winning Red battery, with Daringer pitching in the eighth inning, and for the Giants, Castleman and Danning opened... Smith on the mound in the fifth inning, Kaufman in the seventh, and Baker in the ninth. In that game, Whitehead of the Giants had a home run in the third with one on, Goodman of the Reds in the fifth inning with one on, and Moore of the Giants in the seventh with the bases empty. In Boston, the Bees stung the St. Louis Cardinals for a double win today, taking both games of the twin bill, winning the first from the Cardinals, five to one with five runs, seven hits and no errors, to the Cardinals one run, five hits and no errors. Blake and Owen, the Cardinal battery for the game, for the Bees, Betty and Miller. Miller of the Bees came through in the 11th inning with three men on base to score five runs. The Bees won five runs to one run for the Cardinals. In the second game, the Bees came out on top two to one with two runs, six hits, and one error to the Cardinals one run, two hits, no error. Dizzy Dean, the losing pitcher for the Cardinals with Owen the catcher and for the Bees, Lanning and Miller. And now in the American League, the Yankees are leading the Browns at the end of the first half of the sixth inning two to one. Wicker and Dickey, the Yankee battery, for the Browns, Coupal and Hemsley. Henrik of the Yanks had a home run in the second, and Crossetti in the sixth. In Detroit, the Boston Red Sox lead the Tigers at the end of the seventh inning, 10-3. to three. Grove and Death Tells the Red Sox battery. For the Tigers, Bridges and Hayworth opening, Gill pitching in the sixth inning. Fox of the Red Sox has had two home runs, one in the second and one in the sixth with one man off. In Cleveland, the Indians won the first game of a twin bill from the Philadelphia Athletics, 9-8, to eight, with nine runs, 13 hits, and no errors. To the A's, eight runs, nine hits, and two errors. Thomas and Conroy started for the A's with Nelson pitching in the fifth and Kelly in the eighth. For the tribe, Harder and Sullivan started, Andrews hurling in the eighth, and Bob Feller, the winning pitcher on the slab in the ninth inning. In the second game at the end of the first half of the first inning, the A's lead the Indians three to nothing with Roth and Drucker, the A battery. For the Indians, Gale House and Pitlack starting with Heaving replacing Gale House in the first inning. Moses of the A's has had a home run. He had it in the first inning of the second game. On important plays, 
The base coaches advise their players, play safe. That's good baseball. It is also good advice to motorists who have one decision that must be played safe, and that is their choice of chassis lubrication. Every month, more and more drivers are making sure. Choose Marfac, the amazing Texaco lubricant. It stays with its job, clings to rapidly moving parts, your important chassis gears will run easier, and your car will ride smoother, last longer, and its depreciation will be markedly less per thousand miles with Marfac. Make it a point today to play safe on chassis lubrication. Drive to your nearest Texaco dealer and say, Marfac. Your neighborhood Texaco service station has brought you this broadcast of the Chicago White Sox and the Washington Senators baseball game, direct from Comiskey Park. Fred Fowler speaking for the Texas Company. Invite you to tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2.10 p.m. for another baseball broadcast with Hal Totten at the microphone. And whenever you hear the siren and bell, think of Texaco.